if you have your Bibles, turn to Psalms 139. Yeah. Uh, this is a really familiar passage of Scripture, but I want to I coach us up a little bit here, and I want you to, to go through this with me uh, with a different set of glasses on, if you will. So I'm calling this message inescapable. Inescapable. You know, that word tends to have some negative connotation to it. If you think about being trapped in a, in a building that's inescapable, that's not good. If you've ever been in a relationship, some of you are in a relationship like this right now, and you feel like you need to leave the relationship because it's a damaging, codependent, abusive relationship, but you feel trapped, you feel stuck in the relationship, you'd say this relationship is inescapable. There's no way out of this for me. And so that's what I'm titling the message. And here's the deal. This message has one point, all right? So there's one point to my message, but there are a whole bunch of sub-points, right? And I don't know what sub-point will be your sub-point, but I believe that there's a bunch of different sub-points in here based on where we're kind of currently living in life. So here it is. I want to, I want to tell you that there is nowhere that you have ever been any part of your past where God was not. There is no part of your future. There is nowhere that you will ever find yourself at some distant day where He is not. And if those two, two things are true, then, then this must be true as well. That no matter where you are currently living, no matter what's going on in your life, God is present with you in the right here and now. His presence is is inescapable. So I want to read a bunch of verses here. I'm actually going to stop at verse 12, but I'm going to start in verse 1. And I want you to think about the context of this scripture based on God being present with you. We know that David wrote this, but imagine yourself just writing this letter to the Lord. All right, I'm just going to read it with very little commentary if I can. He says, O oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all of my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O oh Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and you lay your hand upon me. How good is our God? Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. Let me say it another way. If I'm, if I'm in the middle of church at the Way Bible Church, if I'm in a base small group, God, in that moment, you are there. When, when I open my Bible and life just springs off the pages, God, you are there. But if I am in hell, if I am in the worst of worst circumstances of my life, God, even in that place, you are there. If I take on the wings of morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me in your right hand shall hold me. God never leaves. There's not a passage in this Bible that says that God leaves those who He loves. He never leaves. He always leaves. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light 
about me be night. Even the darkness is too not, not too dark for you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. We've probably all had these seasons of intense encounter with the presence of God where we just feel Him, we sense Him, we know that He is near to us. We're having one of those moments right now this morning. The presence of God is, is obviously in this place and it's easy for everyone in the room to sense that. I'm coming out of one of those seasons right now, like some of you, you've been on a, on a fast and you just wrapped up a 21-day. I'm just coming out of a 21-day a fast. And this was, a, this was an awesome fast for me because I sensed the nearness of God and I was a little afraid. That time of fasting was coming to an end. I was telling this to your pastor. I was so afraid to break my fast because I thought, God, no, <laughs> you're so near to me in this moment. You're so right here. I don't want to move past this. I was afraid of moving out of that place of intimacy with him. Some of you have had those experiences. Here's what I'm certain of. All of us, all of us have had those moments in our lives when we have thought, God, where in the world are you? God, I know that you are omnipresent and I know that you are everywhere all the time, but there's this one little circle on earth where you have obviously forgotten about and I happen to be standing in that circle. You are nowhere. And I feel alone and I feel completely... Right? We've all had those hard moments in our lives. And, and uh, I, I was, uh, I'm not a huge fan of journaling. I am a huge fan of journaling, but I'm not very good at journaling. Let me say it that way. And if you're new to church... It's kind of what grown-ups, particularly redneck men, call, you know, diary. <laughs> you know? And so we have these journals. And that was a real weird concept for me when I came into, into a relationship with Jesus. People were telling me that I need a journal. And uh, so I started writing things down in these journals. And again, I'm not real, real good at it, but I use them. I'm, a, I'm an emotional person, and I tend to need to vent and process a lot. And that can wear people out. So I just started venting and processing in my journals, and I will write down things that I'm going through, things that I'm feeling, uh, things that I feel like God is saying to me, things that I'll read in the Bible that really pop off to me, and I use my journal to, to, to capture those kinds of things. Well, the other day, uh, my wife and I were just kind of hanging out in our closet, which sounds funny, but um, we have this really weird closet. It's maybe as big as this stage, so um, we put like queen-size mattresses in there and sleep family when they're in town. Anyway... Uh, we were in our closet, and I found a stack of these old journals that I hadn't looked at in many, many years. And they were journals from the late 90s and the early 2000s. And I began to read through these journals. And there was one particular journal that was like a season of my life. And it was, it was just not pretty to read. And it was like the lament of Matt, you know, like Lamentations Part 2. And, and every single day I was writing out, God, why have you forsaken me? I'm going to die lonely. I'm going to die single. Life is terrible. You know, it is over pages over and over again. Why, oh why, where are you, God? Where are you? Just, just give me a sign that you're even still on the throne, that you even still care about me. Right? And you're just throwing up. <laughs> Pretty amazing to look back on it. Here's, here's, I look back on that moment, and I felt like in that season that I was living in, that I was all alone. And that there was no work being done in my life. But 20 years later, I look back on that journal and I read those laments. And, I, and then when I think about that season of my life, it's amazing what God was doing in my life. There was so much amazing work happening in my life. In other words, I thought I'd been abandoned. I thought the presence of God had left me. But yet I was right in the center of the presence of God. And He was making His way perfect 
in me. That, that little, this little thing is reminding me of this. We're, we're the clay, right? And he's the potter. And he puts us on that little wheel. And sometimes we think that's going to be a real fun process because the finished product is real pretty. But how many of you know that's a terrible process? Nobody wants somebody putting their pre- pressure all over you, sticking little things in the side of you to make designs. And that's a hard process. And I felt like in that moment that nothing was happening in my life. But God was creating this beautiful masterpiece, this piece of clay. So I want to use some familiar stories. There's a story of a, of a boy named Joseph in Genesis chapter 37. Joseph shows up on the scene. And I just want you to think about where can you go from the presence of God? Where can you flee from his presence? When we meet Joseph, he's a 17-year-old boy in Genesis 37. Joseph had a gift, right? His, he, he, man, he could see things and he could interpret what he saw. And he was young. Man, he was young and he was passionate about his gift. And that youthful zeal got him in a little bit of trouble. Okay, so, so Joseph had some brothers that were all older than him. And it's never good to make one older brother mad. Making, you know, 11 older brothers mad is even worse, right? So they decided we're going to deal with this young punk and we're going to teach him a lesson. And they put him in a pit. And they were going to kill him. And you know the story. They decided to not kill him. Now... If we fast forward the tape, we all know how Joseph's story ends, right? We all know that Joseph became the man of the hour. He was the leader of leaders, and he, he had a, has a great end to his story. And so many times we rewind, uh, we, we fast forward the tape of people's lives, and we see the end of their story, and we go, wow, you know, without realizing the work that, that went into getting them to the end of the process. So Joseph goes in the pit at 17 years old. He, they decide to not kill him. They sell him. And he winds up in Potiphar's house, right? He winds up in Potiphar's house. God was with Joseph in the pit. And he winds up in Potiphar's house in in, in Joseph, in in chapter 39. And we're not going to read the whole chapter, but over and over again it says the Lord was with Joseph. He was a slave who wound up with a tremendous amount of influence because God was with him. And then in verse... uh, Well, you remember his wife, Joseph apparently was quite the stud-looking dude, and his wife decided, I I, I need some Joseph in my life. So she tried to get Joseph to do bad things. Joseph was an honest man who was trying to be a good man, so Joseph took off and left the wife, and the wife had his coat, right? You remember? Now, that's not a good day. If you're a slave and the wife of the man that you're working for is accusing you of some bad things. So he was wrongfully accused of some things, and this is the response from uh, Potiphar. It says, And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. But look at verse 21. But who was with Joseph? The Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in prison. And whatever was done there, he, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. Joseph was in prison and the presence of God showed up in prison. Now, none of you, obviously, you're not in a, in a physical, literal prison. But here's what the prison represents. The prison represents a place of loneliness. Maybe the prison represents a place of disappointment for you. 
Prison could represent a time in your life when you feel forgotten. Let me, let me put it in real life terms. Some of you are here today and your marriage isn't where you want it to be. In fact, some of you are here today and you're struggling in your marriage. Quietly, secretly, nobody knows that you're struggling. And you feel trapped. You feel imprisoned. You feel stuck in this marriage that you feel like there's no hope for. Some of you, unfortunately, have some teenagers that are challenging your parenting skills right now. And you feel trapped. You feel alone in that. Some of you have financial crisis that has befallen you, and you're trying to work your way through that, and you feel like you're in prison, so you, you feel stuck in a situation. Joseph was in prison, and God was present with him in that place. And then in, in Genesis chapter 40, you remember how Joseph's in prison. There were a couple of guys in prison. They had wronged the king. I don't know what they did to wrong the king. Maybe they made a bad cake and poured the wrong glass of wine. I don't know, but the king was mad at them. And they were in prison. So the baker and the cupbearer were in prison. And you remember they had dreams while they were in prison. And who happened to be in prison was Joseph. But God was with Joseph and Joseph had a gift. Right? There was an anointing on his life to hear and interpret dreams. And so there was Joseph in prison functioning in his gift. He interprets the dream. You remember the story? Bad day if you're the baker. Bad day. The head is coming off if you're the baker. Really good day if you're the cupbearer. The cupbearer is going to get out of prison. And Joseph says, hey, just don't forget about me when you leave this place. All right, I need to get out of the prison. And the cupbearer leaves the prison. You see, and then in Genesis chapter 41, this is so amazing. After two whole years, Pharaoh had a dream. I don't know what happened in the two years, right? The Bible doesn't tell us that. But we know Joseph did some pretty good work in Genesis chapter 40. And then two whole years went by. I mean, I would imagine, I know what I would do in that moment. The frustration, the, the withdrawal, the woe is me. I'm so forgotten about. Forget using my gift, it's done me no good. After two whole years, see... Genesis 37, Genesis 39, and Genesis 40 were a setup for Genesis 41, 42, 43, 45, 46, and 48. Sometimes we feel like we have these crises in our lives, and we, we want to just move to the end of the story. Why can't I just be like Joseph? Why can't I just oversee everything? Why can't I just be the ruler that I know I am? And we fail to realize that there was a 37, a 39, and a 40. Yeah, See, yeah, sometimes yeah. The, setup, the setbacks in your life, what you feel like were losses in the past season, were just God's way of setting you up. Can I yeah. tell you something? Yeah. You can't have a comeback if you weren't behind. Some of you are living in the comeback season right now. It's a setup for, for your bounce back. God's fixing to do a breakthrough in your life. So Pharaoh has this dream in Genesis 41. I'm about to start talking really fast because I'm going to run out of time. Jo Pharaoh has this dream in 41, and you know the dream, the famine and the, and the, the skinny cows and the fat cows. and that, You know, we really obsess cows where I'm from, so we pay attention to fat cows and good grass and all that good stuff because that's how we make all our money in Amarillo, Texas. You probably didn't know that. A lot of cattle out there. So Pharaoh has this dream, and nobody could interpret the dream, and suddenly the cupbearer, you know, Oh, there's this guy that I was in prison with. 
And he had this amazing ability to interpret dreams. We need to get that guy out of prison. So Pharaoh gets Joseph out of prison. You know the story. Joseph interprets the dream, and, uh, and he becomes the hero. Here's the story in 41 verse 37. This proposal pleased Pharaoh and all of his servants. And Pharaoh said to the servants, Where can we find a man like this in whom this is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has shown you all of this, there is none discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regards the throne will I be greater than you. So Joseph moves from prison to a place of leadership and influence. You think God was present with him in his prison season? Yes, he was. Is God present with you in your prison season? Yes, he is. What if Joseph, think about this, friends. What if Joseph hadn't used his gift while he was in prison? What if Joseph had thought, you know, I just need to wait till I get out of this place to really function in the gift. There's no way that the presence of God would be on me in my prison season. Listen, the gifts and callings of God, the Bible says, are irrevocable. And some of you feel like you're living in a gift, you're living in the prison season and you're waiting for the circumstances of your life to be perfect in order for you to bloom. You say, Pastor's charging me to bear some fruit, but I don't feel qualified to bear some fruit because I'm living in a hard place. Prove that to me in scripture, that idea. What if, you know, Joseph, so often, you know, again, we think the circumstances of our life have to be perfect. What if Joseph hadn't functioned in his gift? Some of you in here, you feel called to lead. And you know that there's a leadership call on your life. But you're not in a leadership position in your business. So you just keep saying to yourself, one day I'll lead when I get the title leader. Come on, that's good. Come on. I'm not trying to hurt you. Some of you feel called to preach. I get this all the time. I feel called to preach. Pastor Matt, I feel like God's called me to preach. I say, great, who are you preaching to today? Well, nobody, I work on a construction crew. Really, there ain't nobody there to, to listen to you talk? <laughs> Joseph was in prison functioning in his gift. It was God's setup for him. Some of you want the circumstances of your life to be perfect so that you can start functioning in your gift, in your anointing. Listen, if you're called to preach and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, preach! Preach, you don't need a platform to step into your calling. You've already, the gift is inside of you. Begin to function in the gift. God's called you to be planted. God's called you to bear some fruit. God called you to sow some seed. Start sowing that seed. Start functioning in your gift. I think sometimes we want to wait till the, till, till the, till the lights hit us. Till the spotlight hits us to start dancing. I'd rather be dancing when the spotlight hits me. So I'm going to dance in the dark place. I'm going to dance in the hard seasons. I'm not going to wait till the spotlight hits me to start dancing. The presence of God is inescapable. He is everywhere. Look at Acts chapter 16. This is another familiar story. Our friend, the Apostle Paul, was in prison. Right? Paul was actually in prison three times. One time he was in prison two years. Most people don't know this. You probably do know this because you got Dr. Joel T. Meyer preaching to you. Three, four Four books of the Bible were written while Paul was in prison, right? Ephesians was written while Paul was in prison. Colossians, Philippians, and Philemon were all written while the Apostle Paul was in prison. He was in prison functioning in his gift. He didn't let prison slow him down. He had work to do, and he was going to be about the business that God 
had called him to do. And I'm so glad that he wrote those epistles while he was in prison. In Acts chapter 16, man, there's this lady following Paul and Silas around. And she was shouting some really good things. And, and on the surface, it seemed like she was a, a, a believer or whatever. But she was shouting some really, these are mighty men of God. And Paul, you know, he got tired of listening to that woman. So after a couple of days, he just turned around and said, hey, shut up. But the people that owned that lady weren't happy that Paul cast the demon out of her and she couldn't, she couldn't shout anymore. So they got mad at Paul and Silas and they went to work on him and they, he wound up in prison. Here's the account, Acts chapter 16. So they, they had inflicted many blows upon them and they threw them in prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. And about midnight, listen to this, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prison were shaken and immediately all of the doors were open and everyone's bonds were unfastened listen Paul and Silas were in prison they were in prison and I know that it's easy to read this and think well yeah he's the great apostle Paul of course he was gonna go to work praising while he was in prison you think he wanted to praise you think it just naturally flowed out of him to give God a praise in that moment? It was midnight. He couldn't sleep. He was tired. He was cold. He was frustrated. He'd been in prison wrongly. He'd been beaten. You think Paul won Paul made a choice in that moment. You've got to make a choice in your moment. No matter what curveball life throws at you. No, no matter what circumstance shows up and presents itself to you that's out of your control. Listen, my wife, who grew up in Lindale, Texas, right down the road here. My wife's dad got cancer when she was in high school. And he fought real hard. He was a high school basketball coach in Lindell, Texas. But he lost his battle to cancer. God took his life and it's an amazing testimony. But two weeks ago, two weeks ago, we got a phone call from my mother-in-law's doctor, my wife's mom's doctor. And cancer has showed up again in our family. Well, we had a decision to make. Those are circumstances completely out of our control. Were we going to let them take our life or were we going to praise in the middle of the storm no, no matter what circumstances of life come your way you may not be responsible for the circumstances but you are 100% responsible for your response in that moment friends we don't praise God because life is all good we don't give him a shout of praise and a clap of praise because life is all good we give God praise because he is always good he is always good and sometimes we call it a sacrifice of praise. Sometimes it's a sacrifice. In Hebrews chapter 13, it says, it says, through him, through Jesus, and all that Jesus accomplished for us, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips and the acknowledgement of his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. It's a sacrifice of praise. You may not feel like giving God a praise, but we give God a praise anyway. No matter what prison you feel like you're stuck in, the presence of God is there, and our praise breaks chains off of our life and sets us free. David said it this way. The psalmist David said it this way. He said, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Life wasn't going good for David. He was hiding. The king was trying to kill him. David said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me, bless his holy name, and forget none of his benefits. Let me say it another way. David said, I may not feel like giving praise, 
My mind, my will, and my emotions want to take me in a different direction. But I will not let them lead me. I'm going to let my spirit be my God. My spirit is going to lead me. So bless the Lord, oh my soul. You're going to come in line with the goodness of God, with the purposes of God, and the ways of God. It was a choice for him. You may not feel like giving God a praise, but we're not here to talk about what you feel like. Sometimes how you feel and what is real don't, aren't connected. We're going to give God a praise. There were some moments in my life, like I told you about that journal. When I felt so alone, and here's what I didn't tell you, but in my 20s, I struggled with depression. Deep, deep, dark depression. And I would climb in these holes, and I would want to isolate myself, and I would want to withdraw, and I would want to run away because I, I hurt, and I was depressed, and I couldn't understand why I was so depressed. And I began to think about the story of my life. I grew up in a home. I was, I was abused as a kid, and I was abandoned as a kid, and there were hard, there's hard parts of my testimony and in my 20s, I wanted to serve Jesus, and I wanted, to, I wanted to do right, but I had all this stuff that didn't make sense to me, so I would get depressed, and I would want to run down these roads. I, all I really felt like doing was getting in my truck and finding a road that never ended and driving. And I woke up one day, and I decided, you know what? I'm not going to give the enemy, enemy any more ground. Yeah, man. Yeah. That's good. So I may not feel like giving God a praise, but I'm going to begin to give God praise. And as I began to give God praise, when depression would show up, I would say, not today. God, God not, I know you are near. I sent your presence. God, I know that you're the God who promised he will never leave me or forsake me. God, you'll never abandon me. God, I thank you that as pastor just said, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That I've been grafted into a new family. I may have been abandoned by one family, God, but you have taken me up, God, and I'm now a part of your family. So, God, I'm going to give you praise, and I'm going to worship you. I'm going to lift up the name that's above every name. And it's amazing. When I started doing that, it released his presence in my life. And everything, I defeated depression, overcame it. And now when the enemy comes and says, hey, why don't you get depressed? I just punch him right in the face. And I tell him, you're not going to take what God has given to me. The presence of God is inescapable. And in your life, as you're doing life, it's easy to sense his presence in this building, in your small group, when you're serving, but I want to challenge you to sense his presence in every area of your life. Some of you tomorrow morning, you are going to wake up and you are going to put a bunch of kids in a car and you are going to drive them to school. And in that moment, while you're waiting in the drop-off line, I want you to know the presence of God is there. Some of you are going to be folding laundry this week and you're going to be frustrated about that activity. And when you might want to complain and grumble, I want you to know the presence of God is in that place. Some, oh, we got it. Some of you are going to go to a sales call tomorrow. And it's going to be about numbers and it's going to be about percentages and it's going to be about getting a client to say yes or getting a customer. I want you to know the presence of God is in that place. The presence of God is inescapable. He is so present with you in every single moment of your life. This one point, this one point will radically change your life if you will live every moment of your life believing that God's spirit and that God's presence is right where you are in that moment.
even in the hardship. Look, God's presence, we, we, Christmas morning, yes, He's there. But in your darkest hour, in your most desperate place, He is there. God is there. I want to invite you just to stand to your feet all across the room. And our prayer team members, if you would make